The true extent of the damage to Ukraine's economy since the Euromaidan color revolution is not clear yet and could possibly even exceed experts' estimates. Now, should the ceasefire in the East hold, humanitarian organizations could then filter into the region to gauge the total damage brought about by Kiev's punitive operation. As for Ukraine as a whole, the end of the year statistical data will demonstrate the full impact of Ukraine's coup and civil war in the country's international standings. Now, joining us live on the phone is Michael Hudson, the president of the Institute for the Study of Long-Term Economic Trends. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, Michael, let's just start off. Uh, Why hasn't the issue of Ukraine's economic devastation since the coup and civil war gained mainstream media attention, in your opinion? Because uh, of what we in the West call cognitive dissonance, it's very hard for Americans and for Westerners to realize uh, that Europeans are backing uh, a kleptocracy, a very bad regime, and uh, that the strategy basically is to force uh, Ukraine into debt and make it, uh, the kleptocrats uh, sell as much property as possible uh, to Western investors. Uh, most Americans and most uh, Europeans are against genetically uh, modified grains. And yet uh, there's a big uh, purchase of uh, farmland uh, and genetically modified crops uh, by uh, Monsanto. Most uh, of Europe is against uh, gas fracking. And yet uh, the uh, leading uh, a lot of the kleptocrats in Ukraine are sending in uh, fracking operations and drilling equipment with the army as they move into the east. Uh, And the east, even before the Civil War broke out, had opposed uh, uh, the fracking process. So the strategy seems to be to force Ukraine into debt that it can't pay and then say, well, you have to pay by selling off your oil, your gas lands, uh, your uh, agricultural lands, uh, and you have to let us do things that in the West we won't let our own people do. Uh, You have to let us uh, do what Europe won't do. But uh, you you touched upon several different things that I'd like to come back to, but isn't that what the IMF does? They, They go in and they bankrupt countries and then all of a sudden, hey, guys, now you have to play by our rules if you want the money. That's exactly what it does. It forces them into debt, and then it, the World Bank comes in and privatizes. And uh, that's cognitive dissonance in the West. Uh, they don't want to admit it. Uh, it's, it's sort of too embarrassing to put in print. Now, going back to several of the things that you mentioned, number one, fracking. Fracking is a great story because, as you said, in the East, many of the villagers were opposed to it. Now, since there's a military conflict there, all of a sudden the villagers are, um, or the people that live in that region are now concentrating on other things, namely staying alive or maybe getting food that they need on a day to day basis. The military is going in and all of a sudden what would have taken 10 or 15 years, hey, it's already done. They're already installing everything. And not only that, but they're providing work to the local people. And so all of a sudden the people themselves are happy that the frackers are there. I'm not sure how much work they're providing and how happy the people are. Usually, uh, frackers have to bring in their own technology. uh, technology people. It's not easy to do. They also use a lot of water, uh, and the water has to be diverted uh, from other uh, uses, uh, from agriculture and from the cities, uh, and there's a danger of polluting the water supply. So I don't think the uh, eastern Ukrainians are any happier to see fracking than uh, the Germans or the Americans. Uh, Here, I live in uh, New York, and in upstate New York, uh, the people have banned it. So it's very hard to say people are happy when the frackers come in. Well, maybe I misspoke, and, and I, I thank you for the correction there. Now, what role does Joe Biden's son play in Ukraine? 
Uh, that was supposed to lock in uh, the politics, apparently. Uh, Joe Biden has been uh, supporting the coup, uh, and uh, essentially uh, this is buying him off. Uh, in order to make sure that the U.S., uh, that you have Biden as a lobbyist uh, supporting uh, uh, the fracking over there, why not appoint his son uh, to the board and give him a prominent position? Uh, so it, it's uh, very obviously corrupt. Now, how important is it that Ukraine's economy is all but collapsed, and what effect could this have on the country's EU aspirations? Uh, There never uh, was really a chance of uh, joining the EU. The problem's not only uh, the EU aspirations. The problem is that if it follows uh, the World Bank and the IMF and the American pressure uh, to grow genetically uh, 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 crops, Europe won't import them. Europe has rules against uh, labeling. uh, And uh, so it's almost as if the United States is is telling Europe, look, uh, we're going to drive Ukraine bankrupt unless you agree to change your position on genetically uh, uh, crops so that you can buy from Ukraine. And by the way, if you buy from Ukraine, you also have to buy from us now. So there may be sort of a huge uh, uh, public relations plot here. Interesting. Now, when you're talking about uh, genetically modified organisms, these are GMOs. And, and yeah. one of the major players behind GMOs, of course, is Monsanto, yeah. which is uh, based in California. Now, how big of a role does Monsanto have in, in Europe? And how big of a role does it have in Ukraine? Are they the yeah, ones that a are... a bigger role in Ukraine than it has in Europe. Uh, it's been using, uh, you, uh, uh, buying uh, land in Ukraine to, uh, for testing on a lot of this. Uh, the Europeans don't really uh, want Monsanto in, certainly not the Germans that I know. Uh, they're worried that the crops may spread and uh, pollute uh, uh, their own crops. So uh, uh, appar- apparently the U.S. is saying, look, if we can drive Ukraine bankrupt and say, look, it needs money, and then say we'll provide money, but uh, you have to be uh, the Achilles heel of uh, Europe and uh, let us introduce uh, uh, fracking and uh, genetically uh, GMO crops, uh, then uh, uh, that, that's their strategy. Whether Europe will go along with it is something else. Now, the catch with the GMOs, of course, is that the individual strains of, of different food types are patented, and it's intellectually patented. So one of the things or one of the problems that happens in the U.S. is if a farmer plants the field and then the field next to him is cross-pollinated, all of a sudden Monsanto can go to the other farmer's field who didn't plant originally the GMO crops and either sue him or uh, he could take them to court. This is true. It sounds bizarre. If you tell this to a normal person who's not in America, they'll think, wait, it can't be that way. But uh, that's exactly the way it is. Uh, the crops, uh, seeds uh, blow in the wind, and they blow in the wind to neighboring farms, and Monsanto does have lawyers come in and uh, says, well, you're growing our crops. Uh, you have to pay us uh, a commission on it. Uh, so I think the patent law has, uh, has to be changed uh, in Europe and other countries uh, to prevent this kind of uh, legal illegal harassment. And, uh, you know, most people don't have money uh, to pay uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to a lawyer, and uh, the Americans can just sue you to death uh, and win even, uh, simply because you can't afford to pay the lawyer the legal expenses of defending yourself. Well, it's true that Monsanto does have very deep pockets. Now, going back to Eastern Europe, if Ukraine goes forward with joining the EU or, or attempts to join it, Russia has said that it would have to revoke its preferential trade agreements with of the course. country. Now, in your opinion, how much of an impact do you think that this will have on the already fragile economy? 
the economy is in a state of collapse already. Uh, one of the problems is that uh, as the currency is going down, this means that the foreign debt rises to more than 60% of its uh, GDP. And the reason that's important uh, is because and the, uh, Russia has made loans on a commercial basis uh, uh, to uh, Ukraine. And uh, if the Ukraine, to protect itself, uh, Russia does just what uh, international investors do. They say, if your debt rises to a certain level, then you have to pay back the whole thing in, in full, not just the interest. So all of a sudden, uh, Ukraine owes much more than it can pay. There's no way that it can join the EU. EU unless the EU uh, agrees uh, to essentially bail out Russia uh, to pay Russia for uh, gas. Uh, to, uh, there's no way that uh, Ukraine can make the exports to, uh, to buy uh, EU products if it can't sell to Russia. And Russia says, well, wait a minute. Uh, if uh, you have an agreement with the EU without uh, uh, tariffs, that means that you can buy cheap goods from Poland or uh, Romania or anywhere else, and then you can try to sell them uh, to, to Russia uh, if you're part of our group. So you can't be a member of two groups. That's just basic, uh, basic rules. You know, st taking a step back and looking at it, uh, it, it really seems that there are a lot of nuances, of course, but it really seems that Ukraine is, is in a difficult position. Which way should they go? They're between a rock and a hard place. But with that said, in the end, who do you think will, will rebuild eastern Ukraine and uh, where will the money come from? I don't think it'll be rebuilt. Uh, 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 Russia cannot rebuild it until it's absolutely secure uh, that there won't be uh, another uh, uh, military grab. And it can't do this as long as the current political system uh, is in power. That's why uh, uh, Putin said, wait a minute, you have to talk about the Constitution before you can talk about any solution. Without having a new constitution uh, and a new uh, regime, we have no way of knowing uh, you know, how, to, uh, how we can rely on importing from you guys or from investing uh, in you guys. So it looks like uh, for certainly the coming year, there's going to be just devastation there. Well, that's a very bleak picture that you painted. Uh, now, one, one last question on this topic. Uh, if the East does achieve its dream of cooperation with the customs union while the rest of the country pushes towards the EU, could this be general economic or could this general economic disconnect serve to fracture the country even more? Or could it present an opportunity for all of Ukraine to enter a special three-way engagement with the EU and the customs union? Well, originally, uh, th there's no reason for Ukraine uh, to be as bankrupt as it is. Uh, you said it was between a rock and a hard place, but actually, this should have been its economic advantage. It should have been a bridge, uh, either like Finland uh, or like Austria was after World War II. It, it could have been a uh, buffer zone between uh, the East and uh, between Europe and Russia, uh, and uh, profited from that uh, uh, very much. So, it, it but instead. Uh, foreign uh, political operatives, mainly from uh, the United States, uh, as you all know, Victoria Newland of the State Department said, look, we, meaning the CIA and the National Endowment of Democracy, have paid $5 billion to corrupt your leaders, to buy them off, just to pay them to do what we tell them to do. Uh, and we call that democracy, meaning pro-American policy is uh, what Americans mean by democracy. So they've already corrupted uh, the whole country. Uh, in order for 
Ukraine to be able to be a real bridge and profit, it has to be able to say, look, we've been, uh, th- there's a lot of corruption that's sponsored by the United States. We have to uh, take back what the kleptocrats have stolen. We have, we have to just get rid of this influence and do what's best for Ukrainians, not what's best for Washington and uh, its uh, cold warriors. Well, uh, the last question I have, if I may be so bold, are you suggesting that corruption is actually part of U.S. state policy? That's what uh, they were told in, uh, ever since the Nixon administration, that uh, it's very – you don't have to invade a country. Uh, you can simply buy off its leaders. That's the democratic way uh, and the pacifist way of taking over foreign countries. You, you don't need drones. You don't need an army. All you need are people willing to take bribes and do whatever they're told by the United States. This is uh, – uh, how the United States has uh, worked uh, for many years. It's certainly how all of us who've worked uh, uh, w- with Washington have, have been told uh, how it works. Well, on, on that note, I'd like to say thank you for joining us, Michael, and I'd love to have you back to discuss this further. I, I'm sure that Ukraine will be in the news for much longer or, or much more to come. Now, speaking to us live on the phone was Michael Hudson, the president of the Institute for the Study of Long-Term Economic Trends.